coming to you from that once forgotten artery that pulses through the center of the continental United States and into the heart of the Ozarks, Grace Matthews. Looking in from the northern border, our Canadian friend, along with his countrymen feeling the effects of U.S. political issues, Connor Murphy. Welcome to Dueling Dialogues, episode 211. I'm Connor Murphy here with Grace Matthews and co-founder and editor of Bindlesnitch.com, Alan Milner. Hi, you two. How you doing? I'm doing fine. I have been in the house now for about two and a half months. <laughs> yeah, me too. Oh. Yeah. No, no, I haven't been in quite that long. So. Well, actually, I, I, to be honest, I haven't left the house except for on emergencies for about four years. So, th- th- this was no great stretch for me. <laughs> well, that's what Connor always talks about too—that this was no different for him. He works, eats, and sleeps at home. <laughs> right. Pretty much. So that works. And by the way, Connor had a birthday yesterday. Happy birthday! Thank you. Thank you. I uh, yes, I feel older. And uh, you- well- Fifty-five. How old are you? Fifty-five. You're still still (laughs) chilling. You're still chilling, my friend. It's after you hit seventy, it starts to get critical. Um, Alan, tell us a little about Bindle Snitch. Okay, Uh, Bindle Snitch began when uh, my partner Robert Panier and I started to build a website called Tell Us News Digest. And the intention behind TELUS News Digest was to provide a platform where we could teach people coming out of prison, people returning to the workforce, displaced workers, women coming back into the workforce, basic computer skills, and then go one step further and actually teach them how to write. It went absolutely nowhere. So uh, we took the basic uh, premise or the, uh, the website, changed the name to Bindlesnitch, and decided to make it an all-purpose, user-friendly website. And uh, the name Bindlesnitch is a made-up word. It comes from Bindel, which derives from the german yish word bundle. And a bundle was a package made by wrapping com- a group of things in a piece of cloth. Traditionally, American hope are portrayed as carrying their possessions in a bandana that is tied up in a knot and held on a stick. So that a bindle uh, is really something that a hobo would carry. A bindle stiff was a criminal who preyed on other hobos. And a bindle snitch was a guy who would go to the police and inform on the bindle. It gets rather (laughs) twisty if you keep on talking about this, though. Okay. Right, so I love it. What can we find there? For is it uh, news or lifestyle? What, what kind we of we have? You know, I best I best go turn it on because I haven't looked at it in twenty four hours. That may have changed since then. Um, it is an open access website. Anybody can join. It is um, anyone can post anything they want. We have uh, major categories, just like the ones that uh, Google uses, world, U.S., politics, business, science, technology, health, sports, arts, media, lifestyle, and the category called etc., which is for anything that we can't figure out where else it belongs. (laughs) Okay. All right. Okay. And there's another one that we're installing, which is going to be called Bin. Bindles gives each uh, person who joins the website the opportunity to have own web page, just like on Facebook, okay. except that there's 
no overlord trolling what you can and cannot publish. Right. Ooh, now I like that. Our listeners will love that. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Oh, I mean, you came to the right place talking that. Talking yeah. freedom. <laughs> well, you know, I've been building websites since before there was a World Wide Web. I mean, that's how far back I got. I was an original member of the Well all the way back and uh, built one website that made millions, literally hundreds of millions of dollars. Unfortunately, it didn't make it for me. It was a mortgage website and it was the first 100% online website. You could go through the entire process from beginning to end and until you got to the closing table, you never had to see a person. And it worked. I was at a wedding once where a guy came up to me. I had given the the oration for the, uh, the bride and groom uh, because they asked me to, and uh, I don't know why else I would. And this guy came up to me and said, you don't know me. And I said, you're right, I don't. And he said, but you did two mortgages for me, and I recognized your voice. And it oh turned my out gosh. that he That's was right. Crazy. I had done two mortgages for him, and he did recognize my voice. But it was really a rather weird time for me because I had, uh, two weeks before, gone through cancer surgery. They had removed uh, two-thirds of my lung. I was in the hospital for seven days. I was home for seven days. And then I had to fly to Toronto to um, uh, present an address to the World Science Fiction Congress that was taking place up there that year. And the next day I flew back to Massachusetts to officiate at this wedding. Needless to say, I was quite out of my mind at the time. (laughs) (laughs) So understandably, so we basically all three of us have sort of health challenges, and uh, the tour today is is kind of what's going to happen post COVID here. Exactly. Well, first of all, there's never going to be a post COVID. Okay, I agree. I agree. This is this is going to be new normal. Um, COVID is actually a very low morbidity, very highly infectious disease. Uh, that's what the, the statistics are starting to tell us. A lot more people were infected than we originally knew about because around the world, the testing protocols sucked. They were a lot better in other places than they were in the United States. But nevertheless, we didn't know how many people had contracted it. And therefore, we don't know the morbidity rate. Right. Since we don't know the morbidity rate, we really don't know how fatal this is. The other problem is that um, it has been incorrectly identified as a respiratory disease. It is not. It is actually a blood disease. What happens is that the uh, COVID-19 cells will grab and attach themselves to anything. It uh, could be the lung tissue, but um, it starts by permeating through the lung tissue and gets into the bloodstream. We've now identified fatalities from heart attacks in previously uh, not susceptible people, strokes. These are people who had no particular cardiovascular issues and are usually quite young when they drop dead from one of these two diseases. We've also seen amputations resulting from um, these rashes, which are actually the uh, spores of COVID-19 that have attached themselves to red blood cells and permeate up to the surface of the skin, causing 
the rash, but in so doing, they're also blocking capillaries. And what happens when you block the capillaries in a limb is that eventually it goes gangrenous and has to be amputated. Now, this all is coming out of Mount Sinai Hospital, which uh, is one of the largest hospitals in New York and one of the best in the United States. And what happened is they have an unusual uh, culture there. They talk to each other. People from different departments actually sit down and regularly talk about what they're seeing. So that the cardiologists were talking to the uh, pulmonologists and they were talking to the uh, kidney doctors. And that's how And uh, they started to see that COVID-19 is attacking the body in a lot of different ways. Well, when I went to the doctor last week, I just want to reiterate yeah. what you're saying. One of the things they asked, you know, they asked if you traveled out of the country, do you have a cough or do you, you know, all those questions. They did ask about the rash. Mm-hmm. I knew. If, you, yeah. you, if yeah. you were asked about the rash, that's come out in the past two weeks or less. Exactly. Um, and so what we're looking at is a circulatory issue. Um, now, we are now hearing that just maybe uh, this virus can survive in the air. Doesn't have, you know, what they're saying is that there, there's evidence that it is micro-encapsulated in little tiny uplets that are expelled whenever you exhale or speak. So that anyone who's got this disease could be an inadvertent carrier. Never know it. Right. 20% of the people who get it never show symptoms. have no idea that it. Um, it's also been a lot earlier than we've been told it's been here. The, the a friend of mine, very close friend of mine, died on November 8th from an upper respiratory infection of unknown origin that was accompanied by chills, fevers, uh, rasping cough, and blood uh, expectoration. Those are the primary symptoms of COVID-19 when it attacks the lungs. But at that point in time, it hadn't even been named yet, as far as I know. Or if it had been, it certainly wasn't being uh, discussed in the United States. So this woman's death has been uh, attributed to unknown causes when it's quite clear he was, in fact, suffering COVID-19. This is in December 8th before the first recorded fatality anywhere in the United States. She's also, or she was, I'm sorry, she was some pretty much of a recluse. She very rarely left the house. So this disease had to come to her. Well, and in probably- our last show, we talked about three people in New York that had died in January, same circumstances. In fact, they were found dead later on, tested positive. They were older people that had not been out. I mean, basically, like you say, a reckless. Yeah. So then when I say that disease is not, it's never going to be over, um, I will also go out way out on uh, some of my background. I was trained originally as a chemical engineer. I have no medical training whatsoever. I have an obsessive uh, uh, practice of learning everything I can about medicine because of my hypochondria. I'll tell you that right out. If you just a disease to me within 48 hours, I will develop symptoms. <laughs> oh. Anything. I, I, I've developed 
develop female complaints after 48 hours after somebody <laughs> described it to me in detail. But you also have half a lung, right? I, well, I actually have one and one-third lungs, but the lung okay. is a curious organ. After it, with the two-third lobes were taken out, the remaining lobe expanded to fill the space that the two lobes were in. Wow. It's the only organ that has the ability to heal. Wow. And most people don't know that. Um, now it's that the problem, even though it's expanded, its surface area still doesn't match the two missing lobes. Right. Um, in addition to that, I have COPD. I also had thyroid cancer at the same time, and both removed with surgery and nation. Uh, at the time, I was running a multi-million dollar business, and when I tried to return to work, my business partner said he didn't know who I was anymore, and I lost my end of that business. It was a handshake deal. I have a bad habit of doing things that way. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, my health challenges are, you know, I've got circulatory issues. Uh, my eyesight is failing. I, and the best one of all is that I have all of the preliminary symptoms of COVID-19 respiratory failure, except that I've had them ever since 2003. <laughs> okay. Because this is, in other words, what other people would say, oh, my God, I'm sick. That's yeah. my normal. Okay. Yeah, I get that. Okay. So I test. I check my blood temperature, my body temperature every day, and uh, so far I've never shown a fever. I check my O2 levels every day, and my O2 levels average around 94, 95. It's supposed to be 98. You're in trouble when you hit uh, go below 90. What's right. interesting is that doctors were seeing patients arriving in the emergency room. COVID-19, whose blood oxygen levels were recorded at 50%, which technically means you're sort of dead. Oh my gosh, you're kidding. I mean, no. that, that's crazy, crazy. Uh, this was also identified at, at, at Mount Sinai. If I was really sick and I went to New York, I would crawl to Mount Sinai. Absolutely, I do know that. I went too. <laughs> yeah. If I was in Boston, I would crawl to Beth Israel, and I would avoid Mass General like the plague, because those the guys at Mass General they like to play. At at uh, Beth Israel, they will try. That's an interesting thing. Beth Israel merged with Deaconess Hospital, so it's now Beth Israel Deaconess, which means you've got a hospital from the Jewish community and one from the Catholic community that decided they were better off if they got married. It's yeah, marriage yeah. from the hospital. Well, it's kind of like my marriage, the Catholic and the Jew. <laughs> but, yeah, well. I totally get it. Yeah, I, I'll tell you, we have a marriage between a Catholic and a Jew. You actually have a marriage between two Jews, one of whom is in denial. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> so why is it? Now, one of the things that's very interesting about COVID-19 is that some people are immune. Right. Why? Why do you think? Okay, so. Well, because it's not the first time we've encountered this disease. Absolutely. Isn't that what SARS yeah. is? Isn't that right? These, I mean, these, have been, these have been around for millions of years. It's inconceivable that we never encountered this thing before. And when we did, obviously a certain number of people who had a natural immunity survived and everyone else died. But now what's happened over the 50 years is the homogenization of the world's population. 
um, to air travel. You can go from any point on this planet to any other point if you can afford it uh, within 24 hours. Oh, sure. Yeah. And um, the cost of that flight could be under $2,000, under $1,000, which means virtually anybody can go virtually anywhere at any time. Well, there's an interesting historical reference here. When the plague first reached Europe, it was brought by uh, the Mughals from Asia. They were immune to it, but Europeans weren't. They were immune to it because who was susceptible to it back in their home countries died. In the United States, the same thing happened. First, we, uh, when the first colonists arrived here, we infected the native peoples with our diseases from Europe, including smallpox and uh, syphilis. And the native population, no resistance to those diseases, so they died in droves. And later on in the 1860s, we accelerated the process by distributing blankets to uh, Indians on the reservations that were impregnated with smallpox. But the idea that this is something that escaped from a laboratory in Wuhan is absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Even more ridiculous, I mean, if you know about the protocols that exist in a level four containment or a level containment area, the possibility of something out is really close to absolute zero as you're ever going to get. The idea that the Chinese government unleashed it on purpose is equally insane. Here's the theory about that one. They believe, or people believe, that the Chinese government was trying to figure a way to uh, figure out a way to quell the uprising in Hong Kong. So they decided to unleash this virus on their own population. But they did it in the city of Wuhan, which is hundreds of miles from Hong Kong. Hmm. That makes no sense whatsoever. If they were trying to shut down the democracy protests in Hong Kong, they should release the virus in Hong Kong. Yeah, that's a very good point. I mean, I, I, I am very skeptical about the Chinese in, in this situation, but um, that's a good point. Uh, the, the Japanese Nobel uh, scientist, uh, Nobel physician, uh, 2018 Nobel, was widely quoted as saying that he worked in the labs in Wuhan and um, that they were, in fact, experimenting with COVID-19 there. Well, in fact, guy's never been to China. Wow. His entire biography indicates that he's only worked in two places, Japan and United States. Hmm. Oh, but then have you heard the one that Bill Gates actually originated this virus in a lab that he owns in Georgia? Yeah. And that, and that he owns a piece of one of the two labs in Wuhan. There are people who take this crap seriously, which really gives me no great hopes for the future. But... <laughs> Now, I am a pessimist by nature. Um, I'm a very negative, pessimistic person. I just sound funny and optimistic because, after all, when you're sure the shit is going to hit the fan, you have to make jokes about it. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, the, I mean, I've researched this to the point where it's coming out of my ear. It's another symptom. But, uh, I was, <laughs> <laughs> but in fact, uh, COVID-19, the whole in which this proceed has been very bizarre. First, Donald Trump denied it existed. Then he denied that it would get here. Then he denied that it would be serious. Then he claimed that we were on top of it. Then he said that we'd conquer it. 
And finally, he said that we wouldn't, we'd have no more than 60,000 deaths. So far, he's batting zero. Um, and I find that very amusing because he can't get the he, he can't get ahead of the story and he keeps trying and that's part of Trump's problem he keeps trying to get ahead of the story it doesn't matter what the story is any story he always has to know more than everybody else does about any given subject and that's impossible right. you know <laughs> yeah, yeah I, you know my son is as close to somebody like that as you can get and he can't do it you know and I used to be that good but I'm old now and I I've lost about 30% of my gray cells and 20% got sh- shot down earlier substances. So, you know, I'm working at a 50% capacity. <laughs> well, your 50% is probably more than a lot of people have. Right. So, so the, the fact is COVID has been around and there are people who are naturally immune. It got to this country very early on simply because of the international travel system we've developed which was designed as a highway for pandemics and by the way this isn't the pandemic the terminology is an epidemic is a very large influx of a disease or condition an area a portion of a country a pandemic is when it consumes the entire country or the entire world well there are 17 countries that have no cases of uh, COVID-17. Ergo, it's not a pandemic. It's an epidemic. Hmm. Right. I've heard that argued several times, yeah. And neither of these words they mean anything because there's no mathematical criteria established to them. What percentage is a, uh, it, uh, of fatalities makes it an epidemic? But here's a statistic. The average daily death rate in the United States is approximately 79 to 80,000 people. So far to date, uh, the quarantine has killed 61,000, which is less than 24 hours of a regular day in a regular year without COVID-19. Where was the emergency? Exactly. Exactly. But I, I believe they really thought there was going to be an emergency. Say that again? I really believed that they thought that it was going to be an emergency. I do yes. not believe they shut the United States and other countries because for another reason. The proof you're saying is uh, if it was being done for nefarious purposes, maybe one country would do it. Maybe two countries would do it. Maybe ten. 170? Exactly. That either means that there's an enormous amount of close cooperation going on between people who hate each other's guts. Like, can you imagine the Pakistanis and the Indians sitting down and saying, look, let's have an epidemic so we can chill out our populations? Exactly. I mean, it would have been an interesting discussion because half the table would be eating Pakistani curry and the other half would be eating Indian curry. (laughs) Exactly true. Exactly. (laughs) The difference is Pakistani curry usually has uh, more milk in it and will have beef, whereas Indians don't eat beef. Right. But, um, you know, so the problem with reopening the country is that it was never closed. 36 million people are out of work. That means that there's about 91 million, 95 million people who aren't out of work because the United States has a 
workforce of 131 million people. Right. So either there's 95 million people too stupid to get up off their asses and go apply for unemployment, <laughs> or they couldn't get on site, or their state ran out of money, or they're working. Exactly. They may be working at home. Right. They may be working under different circumstances, but they're working. So shutdown thing was a myth to begin with. What they've done is they've taken away all of our amusements. You can't go to the movies. If you're so inclined, you can't go watch a baseball, football, hockey, tennis, uh, uh, I don't know, badminton, whatever else people go out and watch in great numbers. Can't go to any film festivals, can't go to any uh, three-day concerts like Woodstock, and you can't go to your favorite restaurant where you're going to pay $70 for a meal that you could have at home for 10 <laughs> <laughs> Oh, darn. Right. <laughs> So here's the, the problem is that we don't have one of the things that's not taught any longer is logic. I'm a logician. That's what I do. Now, logicians are people who do weird things like they envision computer programs and then they write them. So they actually see something that doesn't exist and then they make it happen. And when you say that somebody is a logician, doesn't they're involved in logistics? Logistics is the science of moving things from point A to point B. Right. Interesting sidebar. The two most important generals in American history were both quartermasters, which are the guys who do the logistics for the military. Their names were uh, Ulysses S. Grant and Dwight David Eisenhower. Both of them were quartermasters. And it was their skills that they learned as quartermasters that enabled them to do what they did as generals. And they were both very good presidents. So I believe that we are in the wrong places when we look at senators for president. I yet our best some of our best presidents have been generals. A few of our worst, Benjamin Harrison being a case in point, were also generals. So that's no guarantee. Um, but you know, if you look at people who were governors, you've got the Roosevelts, you've got uh, Jimmy Carter, you've got Bill Clinton, you've got okay Ronald Reagan, you know presidents who whether you agreed with them or not were competent. Sure. And then you got George Bush. So I don't know what to do with that theory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, he just shoots down the whole theory, right? That exactly, exactly. There's always an outlier, right? Right, but okay, you know, so we're in gonna general, have... go ahead. Yeah, in general, what's going to happen is that oh, oh, there's one more fact that has not come out that's very interesting. People are comparing the uh, COVID nine epidemic to the seasonal flu. The CDC stopped collecting data on the seasonal flu on April fourth. Wow. They collected the data from October first to April 4th, and then they stopped collecting the data. <laughs> so what we don't have is any correspondence between the COVID-19 data and the CZ data uh, numbers. But when we did, it was clear that the, COVID, the seasonal uh, flu was killing more people than COVID-19. But it was killing people at a much lower rate. The morbidity rate was a fraction of a fraction of the morbidity rate of COVID-19, except that we don't know what the real morbi uh, morbidity rate is. 
because we don't have the numbers for how many people were infected and didn't have symptoms, didn't exactly. die. Exactly. So it, this is like having a blind pilot trying to make a landing on instrument approach. So there's going to be a new work. normal. Uh, by default, there's going to be a new normal is what you're saying. Well, let's What's that going to look like to you? Well, here's what it looks like to me. Nobody's going to be shaking hands anymore. Right. People are going to let their hair grow longer. Uh, manicures are going to pre have to drop their prices because they're not going to get $50 for a, a pedicure anymore because there aren't going to be that many pedicures walking in the door. Right. Um, telemedicine is going to become a big thing. Exactly. I, I've already had the experience with it. My mother didn't want to see me. <laughs> Beg your pardon. That's not COVID-19. That's COPD. Uh, he diagnosed me over the phone and set up a radiology appointment for me tomorrow to find out why my, neg my legs are going numb on me. Yeah. So, you know, it will usually take me three weeks to get him something like that. And he did it in five minutes. That's new. Yeah, that's um, Higher education is under, it's going to undergo very dramatic changes. They were already coming. There are very few disciplines that require hands-on training. Exactly. Uh, the medical profession requires hands-on training. The arts require hands-on training, painting, music, exactly. acting. You can't do that through a computer. Most of what we now do and did, what we used to do in face-to-face -face education, can be accomplished as well or better by computer. And I, I mean that sincerely. I think a lot, you know, the University of Phoenix is actually the trailblazer here, not the outlier. Exactly. And uh, more power to them, because frankly, spending $100,000 to get a four-year degree is totally insane. It is insane. You know, you, you, a doctor gets to uh, uh, finishes his MD and his internship and his residency. He's usually around a quarter of a million dollars in debt. Unless he joins the Army or the, some other branch of the military, which in exchange for five years of service will pick up that bill. Exactly. Which is why a lot of doctors have military backgrounds. Exactly. We got a lot of those around here. Where is around here? Where are you? Springfield, Missouri. Ah. Yes. Missouri is one of the 25 sta 23 states that are now experiencing a uh, population drain. I think. Ah. Yep. Oh, yeah. You have an outbound. You're, you're, you're losing population at the rate of 2.2% a year. Missouri. Exactly. Um, I'm coming a chart. Actually, this is the wrong chart. Wait, I've got the whole chart right here. Yeah. You want to take a guess which state is losing the most people? Is it California or New York? No, it's not. It is New Jersey, which is losing people at the rate of 37%. Whoa. Where are they mostly going? To Florida? Well, uh, Florida is growing. Uh, we don't we don't really want them anymore, to be honest with you. But New York is uh, New York was number three on this list with a twenty percent uh, uh, delta between people moving in and people moving out. 
but uh, nine of the states are Democratic, 11 are Republicans, and three of them are toss-up states. Those would be Michigan, Pennsylvania, and uh, Wisconsin, of course. Now, what's interesting is that these states are all losing population. Uh, I think the people are moving out of Wisconsin out of sheer embarrassment because of... Yeah, Wisconsin has always been a very liberal state. The fact that they put uh, the idiot in the White House, I think, really has to make feel rather embarrassed. <laughs> I guess it was those cheese hats. Say that again? I thought it was the cheese hats. You know, they wear the wedge of cheese. Cheese? Cheese, cheese yeah. tacks? Hats. No, cheese hats. Hats, yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. Those cheese hats are made out of styrofoam. They're not really cheese. <laughs> oh, really? Oh my God! Yeah, they're not they're really, really cheese. Yeah. <laughs> my God, I have—I've finally disabused someone of a false notion. I've been trying <laughs> to do that for forty years. Oh my goodness! Okay, so okay, you're on a side of a different side of the coin. You know, we usually talk here, and everybody's going to love that. But what do you think about health surveillance? Post- health surveillance. Health, health surveillance. Surveilling you because you've had COVID nineteen and whatever else comes about in the future. Meaning they're well, taking your cell phone, they're taking you know maybe your car GPS, and they're surveilling you. They're doing it anyway. <laughs> you see, they're already doing it. So, and it's not even a matter of of, of a conscious intention. In order for cell phones to operate, you always know the system always has to know where your cell phone is. Right. Otherwise, you can't transmit the signal going to and from the nearest cell towers. So anytime that your cell phone is on, you triangulate it. That's happening anyway. And if somebody's going to put a, a, de- a, a thermometer th- device in a doorway that rings a bell, if somebody with a fever walks in, my theory about that is I don't know of any constitutional right that gives you the right to infect another person with a disease. Exactly. Exactly. I agree with uh, It's a protective device that, I mean, look, I see people who re- absolutely refuse to wear masks you know, at Walmart, at places like that, um, and it, because it's their constitutional right. Well, this is a Darwinian period in our history. People are going to end up being a lot smarter when this is all over because a lot of the really stupid and arrogant ones are going to catch this and die. Die, yeah. Uh, hopefully before they've added to the gene pool, but one can't have everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're kind of running a little bit out of time, but I really want you to answer what you believe about the vaccine. Now, we've never had a vaccine for the common cold, SARS. Are we really going to get a vaccine for COVID-19? No. It's, and the reason why I can say no without having any college degrees that enable me to say no or being an epidemiologist is the simple fact that this thing mutates too quickly for them to get a, a, a vaccine produced and distributed. By the time they've got a vaccine produced and distributed, the COVID-19 will have have mutated to the point where some strains will be immune to uh, the vaccine. 
And the other that I would worry about is that rushing a vaccine to market is probably not the best idea that anyone has ever had, or don't they ever watch any of these zombie movies? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. I was in the, I, original, I was in the original vaccine experimental group in 1952, I believe it was. Oh, my gosh. And I clearly remember the hysteria around the polio, which affected a minuscule portion of the population. What's interesting to me is why we have uh, 50,000 gun deaths a year and nobody cares. We have two or three million people dying of starvation in this country every year and nobody cares. And uh, 60,000 automobile accidents where the number one cause of death in this country is actually opioid overdoses. And that's not an epidemic. And here's the answer. Those are not, you know, the COVID-19 disease, if you catch it, not something that you did to yourself. When you smoke, you deserve cancer. When you eat, you get obese and you get uh, diabetes. Uh, if you do it like me and you never leave the chair, you know, your circulational systems break down. You know, uh, you take a drink, you become alcoholic, you die. These are all self-inflicted wounds. I think what terrifies people is that it's absolutely okay for me to kill myself or for you to kill yourself if it's your own voluntary choice to do so. But if it's an involuntary event where this just happens to you, people become first terrified and then furious. Very well said. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, when it comes right down to it, you didn't ask me my favorite question. Who's going to win in November? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Tell us. Okay. Who's going to win in November is going to be Joe Biden. Really? Donald Trump does not stand a chance. You think that? Be- wow. Yes. And here's the reason why. His election was a fluke to begin with. It was an accident. And the accident was caused by Jill Stein. If you take Jill Stein's vote totals in Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin and add them to Hillary Clinton's vote totals in those states, she wins the Electoral College and Hillary Clinton would be president right now. Oh, my gosh. Okay. You have got to come back and talk to us the whole show about that. Um, Okay. I think our people will be be going crazy. (laughs) Yeah, um, but I, I I didn't get to the ultimate point in the matter. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. That was four years before we knew what Donald Trump was really like. Mm-hmm. Now we do. There are huge numbers of Republicans who are fed up with this guy, and I don't believe any of the polls. I never believe polls unless they are in-state polls. The only polls I ever read are polls for specific states, because under our fucked up electoral system that we have in the United States, it only matters what whether you are winning or losing in a state by state contest because of the electoral college system and how it works out. So that there's no, you know, right now as we're sitting here right now, 45 states have absolutely already been decided. We already know how they're going to vote. 
Hmm. And that's because those states have a preponderance of either Democratic or Republican uh, voters. We know that. We know where they are. And we know that nothing is going to change those. California is not going to vote for Donald Trump. Agree or disagree? New York is not going to vote for Trump. Texas is going to vote for Joe Biden. Florida might. Yeah. If Biden takes Florida, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and uh, Michigan don't really matter. You think Florida will count this time? Like an actual one? <laughs> well, we got rid of the governor who didn't have the ability to do no higher numbers unless he was ripping off uh, Medicare. But um, DeSantis is a total moron. And whether or not we'll get their count is questionable. But I don't think that in the numbers that the voters are going to come out with that they could possibly fix it. This is going to be a landslide. People you know, and the media is completely off base on this. They don't understand. They don't understand that working people have figured out they got fucked. They figured out that, hey, where's all that money we were supposed to be getting? Where's our pay increases? Never happened. What happened to the stock market? The stock market was crashing before the coronavirus began. Every year in the fourth year of a presidential election, there's usually a retrenchment in the stock market. Nothing new. It was happening anyway. Okay. Wow. And, and Trump actually was probably betting on his superb handling of the coronavirus crisis to get him over for a second term. He will oh, not sure. have a second term. Hmm. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We really appreciate you coming. And talking. I didn't move. I'm still sitting in my chair. I, <laughs> I know. Isn't that wonderful? Technology is awesome. I enjoyed it really soon. Really. I told <laughs> I told your your co-interviewer that um, I'm always here. All you got to do is dial the number. <laughs> okay. Well, we will do that. We will dial your number. All if right. you need ten minute bullshit, just give me a call. Okay, <laughs> we will. Take All care. Right. Bye bye. Godspeed. Godspeed. You too. Daddy. And everyone, thanks for listening. <laughs>